0: Welcome, Bird Gang, on today's show, a lot. I repeat, a lot to like from Sunday's win in Tennessee. Maybe the most complete performance under head coach Cliff Kingsbury. That's offense, defense, and special teams, and done against a quality opponent on the road. So let's not waste any time. It's Cardinals Cover 2, episode 465, and it starts now.
1: Welcome to Cardinals Cover 2 with Craig
0: Grealoux and Mike Jarecki. Cardinals Cover 2 is presented by Hyundai, proud partner of the Arizona Cardinals, and by Arizona Cardinals Podcasts. Visit azcardinals.com slash podcasts.
1: Going for Hopkins, one-handed catch and a touchdown! DeAndre Hopkins!
0: Here's Craig Grealoux and Mike Jarecki. It is only week one. It is just one game. There are still 16 to play, a whole season's worth if we were going off of a year ago. So one game doesn't define a season, one game doesn't determine a season. So now that I got all of these disclaimers out of the way, MJ, in a word, wow. I was not expecting that, though Bird Gang, if you were listening to Cardinal Talk on Sunday... Mike Jarecki was less surprised than myself and Rob Fredrickson. Do explain, MJ. Well, I mean, if you've been listening to the
1: show over the last couple of months, or I should say the last couple of weeks, um, we just talked about year three with Cliff Kingsbury. And I think he showed that being more of a head coach, a little more animated, maybe he just got caught on camera. And I know he's, you know, made the progress to being a head coach, just a play caller. And Kyler Murray had his best camp. And, you know, when the, during the open portions of practice, he won. Uh, the fans were there. This offense was humming. And so, and then, you, you know, as you go through training camp and you start getting back more players, I thought, this office is ready now. I had no idea. Usually when you go into a game, we talk about contain Derrick Henry and try to slow down Brown and Jones they shut all three of these guys down which was a surprise but I wasn't surprised with the Cardinals offense now the fact that they deferred put their defense on the field they set the
0: tone in that game early and often Thirty-eight. 13 Cardinals beat the Titans in Tennessee and this is a Titans team that many people believe is a Super Bowl contender and they still might be a Super Bowl contender. But when we look back, we've had now 24 hours to digest as we speak here on this Victory Monday. It's also overreaction Monday if you will and we're going to try to contain ourselves as much as possible, but When you have LeBron James tweeting, and not just once, not just twice, but several different times, about Chandler Jones and Kyler Murray, you know you're doing something right. If you had one takeaway, MJ, from week one from the Cardinals' win against the Titans, what would it be? Just the
1: domination um, how they dominate both of the lines. We, you talk about the Titans. They take care. Uh, they take the personality of their head coach, physical. Um, they don't make a lot of mental errors, but the Cardinals won in the trenches. We talked about the offensive line, adding a guy like Rodney Hudson. You know, obviously Josh Jones was at guard. Calvin Beecham gets hurt. They bring in Justin Murray. They were rotating Brian Winters. So they, they went with more than just the five guys initially. Anytime you get an injury, so and then defensively, um, you know, I, I know that Luan is coming off an injury and clearly he didn't have his best day. And you know, give him a lot of credit, took responsibility. But I just thought the domination in the in the trenches, to me, that's where the game was won on both sides of the ball.
0: Cardinals were more physical than the Titans, and I think that stunned a lot of people because what was the expectation, what was the narrative going into week one when the schedule was released at Tennessee? Well, that's a physical ball club. you got to be careful. Derrick Henry. they're going to pound it between the tackles. That's what Mike Vrabel is known for, and it was just the opposite. The Cardinals came out punching and kept punching and delivered an early knockout blow probably in that third quarter. And to fur-
1: further it, Ryan Tannehill, You know how I felt about him going in? Uh, We looked at his numbers over the last couple years. You know, maybe Patrick Mahomes had more wins, but when it came to completion percentage, uh, touchdowns, interceptions, he he was an underrated quarterback. Once he felt pressure, he wasn't the same guy. And I want to say... With his fumble and interception, it led to 14 points
0: for the Cardinals. Correct. The two strip sacks, and the Cardinals able to capitalize on both of those. So after one week, Chandler Jones is on pace for 85 sacks, and Kyler Murray is on pace for 85 total touchdowns. All right, neither is going to happen, and I'm not expecting Chandler Jones to go for five sacks each and every week. But if he is able to be that quick off the line of scrimmage, and it happened on that first play, he beat Taylor Lewan to get to Derrick Henry for the TFL, and it was a repeated beating left tackle, and then sometimes he switched over to the right side and was going against the right tackle. If that is the case, then I do like the Cardinals' defensive line, and it's not always going to be Chandler Jones. Maybe they're going to be more attention now on number 55, and I fully expect that moving forward. Maybe it's Marcus Golden. Maybe it's JJ Watt. Maybe it's someone else because as we've talked about having Chandler Jones and JJ Watt on the field at the same time, if you're an offense and an offensive coordinator, what do you do? And I think that's going to be the problem. Let's hope that's the problem moving forward.
1: Yeah, and you know, I was talking to a scout and he was scouting the uh the upcoming game. He was at Cincinnati Minnesota. I talked to him this morning and what he told me is you know, when you have a J.J. Watt and a Chandler Jones in, in your defense, yes, they have gap discipline, but they're so uh, have so much football IQ. If they see something, they'll freelance a little bit. And you saw a little bit of that from J.J. Watt. He was hitting the hole, and then all of a sudden, he he would see the play. So you can't teach that kind of stuff. So when they see something, you know, yes, you want to be have gap discipline because you're supposed to be in your spot. Otherwise, you know, the linebacker is going to have to make the tackle. So that was interesting to hear, to where they were able to see different things. And they kind of changed up their repertoire versus, okay, he's coming from this side. I'm going to take a different angle. And I think that's why J.J. Watt was in the backfield
0: also. Yeah, and he certainly had his afternoon as well. But everyone's going to focus on Chandler Jones and that five sack total. But to your point, you always look at it's the pressures, the hurries, the knockdowns. What are you doing to disrupt an offense? And Chandler Jones, it's not just about the five sacks. He finished with six tackles five sacks, two fours fumbles, six quarterback hits, four tackles for loss. So it wasn't just, hey, I need to increase my sack total. It's getting into the backfield and disrupting that offense. That those stats
1: uh, you know, a premier pass rusher probably gets in a month. I mean, cuz they play 65 snaps and they end up with 16 to 20 snap, uh, sacks, that's probably one or one and a half a game. I mean, that that's remarkable and Listen, we've been all over Chandler Jones, uh, the way he showed up in camp, um, the whole idea. I mean, he's motivated, obviously. You know, he's betting on himself. Um, you know, Cardinals technically will own his rights for the next couple of years. We'll worry about that down the road because it's only one game. Uh, but you could see he has the burst. And, you know, him winning these one-on-one matchups, I mean, it, it's almost like it's unfair. But he's getting paid to, to, to rush the passer. But I... I Am I surprised he got five? Yes, because the last time that happened was son Reddick, and they come in bunches. I think it's a team They had six. Correct. Dogby had one? Yes. Yes, so overall. But when you start talking about tackle for losses, quarterback hits, um, passes defensed, that's where the defense really showed up. And I thought Jalen Thompson tackled well in the open field. Buda Baker, you know, he did, did exactly what he needed to do. I thought Isaiah Simmons took another step. Uh, you know, Collins, maybe he didn't get all the reps, but he come, he came in there and made some nice tackles. You know, I tweeted this out earlier, and I noticed it in camp. If you look at the guys they brought in during the offseason, between Rondell Moore, Marco Wilson, Zavin Collins, A.J. Green, they all have provided speed for this team. And the Cardinals, to me, and I watch, when I watched the condensed version this morning, they look like a fast football team. Chase Edmonds looked faster to me. Kyler Murray, I know he can run a four three, and you know that he ran for forty five yards. But you know, but he he also was able to run the ball. I think it was really early in the game, maybe the first couple possessions were. Kingsbury basically Ted told uh, Mike Vrabel, well, "We're going to run Kyler Murray today." It was quarterback draws. It was the RPOs. It was the zone read. It was the pistol. Uh, we'll get into how many times he went underneath center, and especially where they were in the red zone. So, I mean, really, I'm nitpicking here. We can go back to, you know, the offense, uh, you know, not getting the plays in on time, the holding penalties. But that was really the first part of the first quarter after that. They obviously got it, everything in control. Nothing's ever going to be perfect because the other team plays. But. There are so many good things you can build off. When they go back and watch the film, they're going to say, well, we left this on the field, this on the field, and that's what good teams do. It's easier when you win to go back and make those corrections versus guys going, well, I did my job. The entire team, now, you know, Matt Prater normally would make that field goal. didn't come into effect here, and what happened in the first couple of minutes with the offense, it didn't affect the game. Now, down the road... If you're down ten nothing and that happens, it could affect the
0: game. I want to go back to something you said earlier as far as the speed that was added in the offseason. The entire defensive line looked quicker because it wasn't just Chandler Jones and Michael Dogby. Marcus Golden nearly had a sack. Devon Kennard nearly got into the backfield, but there was you talk about that U shape that the offensive line likes to form around its quarterback. There was hardly a U, and sometimes it was a V, sometimes there was no shape at all. Ryan Tannehill was pressured to where some of those throws that he was getting off, he had to have known the peripheral vision. He could feel it. Maybe he could sense it. Maybe he could even smell it. On either side of him, there was very little room for him to maneuver as trying to buy a little extra time in the pocket because there was that pressure up the middle, And from the sides, and that's a credit to all six defensive linemen who played. It's a credit to all of the outside linebackers who played, and we even saw a little bit of Isaiah Simmons, Chandler uh, Isaiah Simmons, Zaven Collins, and Jordan Hicks move upfield as well, trying to get to that pocket and make it collapse around Ryan Tannehill? Well,
1: we talked about it last year. I mean, you go back to Week 16 and 17, you know, when it came to the Niners and their run game, and then obviously when you go with the backup quarterback, um, when they signed J.J. Watt, and we were thinking, all right, Jordan Phillips, J.J. Watt, you know, Rashard Lawrence looks like he's got a nice little rotation with Corey Peters, and then you throw in Zach Allen, you're thinking, they should be much better against the run. And they got another test this week in Delvin Cook. A little bit different circumstances, not the big back. I mean, we'll get into Minnesota, but, you know, he fumbled in overtime. They were in position to kick a field goal. So anyways, but I just think, you know, you could see this team was motivated, and you could see the leadership and the physicality. Everything they
0: talked about in the offseason – we watched that on Sunday morning. One more notes on the pressure on Ryan Tannehill, by the way, was sacked three times just twice all of last season, and he was sacked three times in the first quarter and six times overall. But next-gen stats, Cardinals defense pressured Tannehill on 17 of 41 dropbacks. That's better than 41%. Now, I don't know how many of those were blitzes, You know, whether you're rushing four or five or bringing an extra as far as that sixth man. But if you can get consistent pressure with just four or five, well, that means you've got seven or six defensive backs slash linebackers in coverage. And I think that could go a long way to really making this defense really difficult. And we started with Chandler Jones just because that's the eye-popping number. For me, though, it's what we discussed a lot last week, and we said it was the key. What do you do with Derrick Henry? How do you stop him? Can't be stopped. How do you limit him? How do you contain him? Well, you said it earlier in the show. He was stopped. Derrick Henry was flat-out stopped to where he was registered a non-factor until the third quarter, but by that time, the Cardinals had a two-score lead, and Derrick Henry didn't have a single carry in the fourth quarter because the Titans were forced to throw the football because they were down by so much.
1: Well, after the first quarter, the Cardinals had 80 yards total offense, Titans minus one, yeah. and that's when they were trying to run the football. They, they they didn't go away from it. Now, if they got in the third and long, it was more of a passing down, but they were still trying to run the football because they felt like if he can get to that second layer and, and give the Cardinals uh, defense, uh, they did a great job tackling. Um, let's be honest, I mean – Byron Murphy and uh, Marco Wilson, there were back-to-back plays in the end zone that they batted the balls down. Correct. Back-to-back plays. So, And it wasn't too big for Marco Wilson. Robert Alford got a little little playing time. I like that three-man rotation there, depending on down and distance. But for Marco Wilson to go against Julio Jones
0: or A.J. Brown, really? I mean, he didn't bat an eye. No, but let's focus on what they did against Derrick Henry here because, I mean, it was discussed on Wednesday. It was discussed on Thursday. It was discussed on Friday. Heck, it was discussed when the schedule came out. We were all, I don't know if concern was the correct word, but when you have someone of that caliber, that great of a running back, and he gets held to 58 yards, but one of those runs was 19 yards. That was in the third quarter, 8.25 left to go. That was his best run of his day, the best run over 10 yards. Take that away. He had 16 carries for 39 yards, 2.4 yards per carry. And six of his 17 carries went for no yards or he went backwards. Ten of his 17 carries were for two or fewer yards. That bird gang is domination and now is the standard that this defense has set when it comes to stopping the run. Yeah, and we talked about it. If
1: if you can get pressure up front, then your secondary doesn't have to cover forever. And I thought, you know, the front seven. I mean, even when I watched the uh, the condensed version this morning, Devin, Devon Kennard, he was setting the edge. He may not fill up the, st- the stat sheet, but he sets the edge, and that's something he did last year well in the month of September. You know, and, and as Cliff pointed out, you know, they like to get, you know, besides Jordan Hicks and Isaiah Simmons and Zayvon Collins, you know, Tanner Vallejo will come in for a spot, Kylie Fitz, Zeke Turner, and we know those guys are more special teams players, but I, I just thought they're they're on their P's and Q's, and as Cliff pointed out, every time he wouldn't advance his office in the offseason, he was watching Titans Titansville, and, you know, that's just because that's the first opponent. You want to set the tone for this season, but... They and, and I listened to Vrabel last night after the game, and I listened to him again today. And he basically said, we got our ass kicked, we got out-coached, we got out-played. There were things they did that we did not work on in practice, on both sides of the ball. That's what he said, and that's on him, he said, and our coaching staff. So there were things the Cardinals showed, because they didn't show
0: it in the preseason, they weren't aware of it. Preseason doesn't matter, MJ. What are you talking about? What are you... Yeah. Why are you putting so much onus on the preseason and what you see in the preseason that that's going to translate to the regular season? Okay. I think you're better than that.
1: Okay, do you want to recant? Raising my hand do you want to recant? Is that the word in radio? Do you want to yeah. recant?
0: Yeah, I, yeah, I was, yeah, I was, I was, I was. I was I wouldn't say I was driving the bus. I tried to talk to you off. I was a off. passenger on the bus, a little <laughs> concerned about uh, the offense, a little concerned about what we're going to see defensively. So uh, gonna, I
1: tried to talk to you off the ledge a few times. and I, I'm know, gonna I know you to, went to Darren a
0: couple times. We tried. I'm going to try to remember this conversation <laughs> and remember this feeling on Victory Monday after week one where from a year from now when we talk about preseason and what was shown and what wasn't shown and, well, this team doesn't look very good because they're not doing this and they can't gain a first down and they can't stop anybody and, wow, look at that player. He's going to be great and then he disappears come the regular season. I'm going to try to remember this conversation because nothing that happens in the preseason matters. The only thing that matters in the preseason are injuries and how serious an injury may be. But I do think it benefited. Correct. Yes,
1: that that it does. Those it, reps. First and second year players. I mean, we always talked about Isaiah Sims. Give him an entire off season. Give him the OTAs, mandatory mini camp. Give him a training camp. Give him preseason games. And those guys, they were somewhere between twenty and thirty snaps. Um, Marco Wilson, he excelled in the preseason games. I think he gave his team confidence. You know, going to the Cowboys receivers and the Chiefs receivers. And I I know they didn't play all the time, but. I think he gained confidence based on what he did in practice it carried over. So I'm not going to say the preseason is meaningless. Um I think when it comes to your veterans, um it's not worth the risk versus the injury, but I think it's really good for young players and you know some of these young players on the practice squad we may see them down the road. I think you look at Victor Demichetti, he he benefited from practice and, and playing in games. The guy was playing 50 snaps in the preseason and he beat somebody out for a roster spot.
0: Well, just focus in on Isaiah Simmons, his first full offseason and the increased reps that he got in practice and in preseason. Remember what he said a week ago, asked about the key against Derrick Henry. Quote, keep him off of our secondary. There were 17 tackles made of Derrick Henry because he had 17 carries. Only two of those 17 tackles came from someone in the secondary. Buda Baker had a half tackle twice, and Jalen Thompson is the one that brought down Henry on the 17. Excuse me, the 19-yard run. That was it. Two of the 17 tackles. Isaiah Simmons had five tackles of Derrick Henry. Five of his team-high nine tackles were made against Derrick Henry. That is something that I think needs to be talked a lot about because if you're talking about improvement from year one to year two, yes, it's just one game. But Isaiah Simmons was everywhere on that football field. He was in the right spot at the right time, and it was real good to see, and just the athleticism because whether he was as an inside linebacker or moving up close to the line of scrimmage or dropping into coverage – he said, he told Paul Calvisi on the post-game show following the broadcast that he thought he played about four different positions in week one, and it looked like it, and it filled up the stat sheet because of it.
1: Yeah, like I said, I, I'm really excited about him. I, I You just see, um, you know, he's you could see he's more confident. He's got that swag back. I don't know if it's a number. Uh, his personality, you know, it goes with everyone else on that side of the ball. Um, he knows his role. And, and, you know, last year, you know, the first week of the season, we know he was targeted, and then his, his, his snap count was down. But you look at a guy, he played 91% of the snaps, 58 of of the uh, the defensive snaps. And the only other guys who were higher than that would have been Jordan Hicks and Buda Baker. They were at 61%, which is 95%.
0: Now, the one name we haven't mentioned as far as a number of snaps is Zayvon Collins. He only played... 34% of the snaps, and something that was revealed post game, Isaiah Simmons mentioned Jordan Hicks had the green dot, meaning he was calling the defense, and that's something that we were told wasn't going to happen. It was going to be Zayvon Collins as the quarterback of the defense. Kingsbury was asked about it earlier on Monday and really didn't answer the question. He just said it will be week-to-week week with respect to that inside linebacker rotation and throughout Tanner Vallejo and Ezekiel Turner as well. But something is going on, and I don't know if anyone's going to say it, but when you have two of your three, and their names are Jordan Hicks and Isaiah Simmons, and the guy that was supposed to be the day-one starter is only playing 22 snaps, either he's hurt or he's just not ready. Well, I I
1: mean, he hasn't been on the injury report, um, so i got to think it's – listen, I think it was Kyle Vandenbosch, maybe uh, maybe the first week or second week in camp, and – we, Cliff told us on Monday that him and Chandler Jones had the best camp. Jordan Hicks and Chandler Jones, yeah. Best camp. Not, not. I mean, he didn't really ID anybody else. And we know that he came in with a chip on his shoulder. He looked like he lost weight. He looked faster to me. And this team's trying to win games. Yes, you want to develop your your first overall pick. But if you got a guy like Isaiah Simmons who can play four different positions, and you got a guy that is not making tackles four or five, six yards down the line of scrimmage, he's not covering tight ends, he's not covering the slot, he played way too many snaps. So, again, you want to develop Collins, but they're also trying to win football games. And so, but I think there's a place for all three. I really do. And, you know, we know injuries occur, but. The fact that Isaiah can roam around, I think it gives them more flexibility what they want to do on defense.
0: And I'm going to keep paying attention to this snap count because, yeah, Aven Collins did start. In fact, all three inside linebackers started, so he's going to get that little asterisk that he started week one. And I do think he'll continue to start. But how his play develops, does he get more snaps? Because based off of week one and the numbers, the playtime percentage, goes against everything that was said in the offseason. It's a complete 180. And right now, we don't know why. And I'm, I'm more, it's more curiosity I, on my end. Well, now, it's a win, and that's all that should matter. But the plan in the offseason is different from what we saw the plan in week one. Well, that's
1: why I give the coaching staff credit. I mean, yes, the GM can declare him the starter. Um, but there's a reason why they put value in emphasis and everything's filmed in training camp. And the fact that he was one of the best players on the field along with Chandler Jones, he earned the opportunity to get this many reps. It wasn't that something Collins didn't do. I think you know if we get to week eight and he's still at 20 snaps, then I think questions come up. But in the first couple of weeks of the season, uh, you really don't have time to develop, guys. Now, Marco Wilson may be an exception. Rondell Moore playing that position. It's a little bit, I wouldn't say easier, but we know he can run. We can know he can catch. We know he can return. Marco Wilson's just, I mean, you look at Marco Wilson and Byron Murphy in their first year. I mean, Marco Wilson's way ahead of Byron Murphy. And Byron Murphy didn't have Patrick, didn't have Alford. So, yeah, I mean, we always, we always talked about what's the snap count in September, what's in October. Uh, you know, but again, I think all three can play. It's just... Right now, Hicks, to me, has more upside just
0: based on being in the defense for three consecutive years. And that's something that Kingsbury brought up, the continuity here in year three, not just for the head coach and Kyler Murray, but year three within the offense, year three within the defense, meaning the offense stays the same, the defense stays the same, your coordinator has stayed the same, and maybe this is the year, year three for the Arizona Cardinals, and certainly defensively, I don't know if you could have played much better For a team that came in talking about the titans that a year ago ranked number two in offense number two in rushing and number four in scoring at just over 30 points a game titans were held to 13 points and again that was something that was unexpected but uh, hey We'll take it here on Cardinals Cover 2, presented by Hyundai, proud partner of the Arizona Cardinals, as we speak to you here on this Victory Monday. Now, what was not a surprise, but something that I think if the defense had a lot of questions of them heading into this season, they answered those questions for week one. Do they continue to answer those questions as the season progresses? But where those questions were answered for the offensive side, though, for me, it was an encouraging sign, something that we hoped we were going to see, something that a lot of people expected to see in year three, and that was putting points up on the board, moving the football up and down the field, not just between the 20s, but inside the red zone, a lot of yards, a lot of points, and a lot of involvement from everyone on that field.
1: Well, I love the way Kyler was spreading the ball out. I want to say in the first quarter, he had targeted six different guys in the first quarter. And so um, that was probably his best game. I I don't know about quarterback rating, just the fact that he had a hand in the pile for five different touchdowns, four, obviously, and then the one rushing. And I love the call uh, on there with Kingsbury, uh, obviously, you know, rolling him out to get to the pylon and really nobody was going to touch him. So... No, I thought Kyler was in charge. I liked the way he was barking at his, his teammates at times. He wasn't happy with some of the penalties, uh, with Darrell Daniels. And one thing we we got to figure out, we talked about how the wide, wide receivers are going to block in this offense. they got two holding penalties, Rondell Moore and A.J. Green. And A.J. Green's a big guy. And when he's dealing with these 5'10", 5'11", DBs, he's kind of towering over them, But he's got to make sure that he's – He's, he's, he's holding up the right way to where he's not grabbing the jersey. So that's going to be something when your quarterback runs like that and you get to that second layer, the, the wide receivers need to do a much better job when it comes to blocking.
0: Now you look at the number of plays that the offense ran, 67. 32 pass, 33 runs. Now there are additional two plays that they put into a separate, complete different category. But when you look at the rushing statistics, it was – 33 rushing attempts, 32 passing attempts. You can't get more balanced than that, but it goes back to you're throwing a lot early to get some points, and then all of a sudden in the second half, you can run the ball because you have the lead. We talked
1: about it all the time. You get a lead in the fourth quarter if it's a two-possession game, and this obviously was more than a two-possession game. Okay, so you you talked about the the balance on offense, and I know the answer, but I want you to tell everyone because you did the research. How many rushes in the fourth quarter for the Cardinals? Thirteen. Because they had a lead. And who was the guy? James Conner for the most part.
0: They were up 38-13 to with 3.06 to go in the third quarter. The Cardinals would have two more possessions the rest of the ball game. And in those two possessions, not counting the missed field goal and not counting the punts, they ran from center a total of 14 plays. 13 of them were runs. The only pass attempt was his completion to Rondell Moore. But those 14 plays took almost 12 minutes off the clock. And the Cardinals, with that 38-13 lead, able to gain a couple of first downs. They did not score on those two possessions. But you're milking the clock. You're handing the ball off to a Chase Edmonds or to James Conner, who was Running very, very well late in the ball game between the tackles, showing that physicality, not being afraid, bouncing to the outside if he needed to, and all credit to the offensive line as well. But we talked about this in the offseason. You get a lead based off your four wide, five wide, air raid, whatever you want to call what Kingsbury does. It's not the air raid, but people still call it that. And then with the lead, you can be more conventional because you have the lead. You're not forced, you're not just one dimensional. You can be multi dimensional when you're playing with the lead.
1: Yeah, and, and speaking of Kingsbury, I think that may have been his best game um from a play calling standpoint. It feel I felt like he was ahead every single play. And when you're when you're when you're calling a play on the field, then you gotta figure out okay, what's down in distance? And then they have something in the queue. Oh, do I use this? Is it do I look at my third down package? I thought he was ahead of the coordinator for the Titans every single time. They they were playing catch up. They and again Vrabel admit it There were things that they did offensively we did not work on during the week. And he said, that's on me, as I mentioned. So I want to emphasize that's coming from the other side where a lot of, you know, we've we've listened to Cliff. How many times come after the game and, and, you know, compliment the opponents where they they just had a, you know, they had better execution. You know, the old execution thing. We didn't get it done. Well, that wasn't the case yesterday. And. I don't know if it's happened in the past, but maybe because he didn't like the call where they didn't reset the clock and he was very adamant. I think people want to see that from Kingsbury. I really do. And, you know, he said maybe it was just caught on TV, but I know that he's become more of a head coach. He knows what's at stake here, and he knows that this team is talented. And now he's got to push the right buttons. But I thought he did a great job with the play calling. And there was nothing predictable. I like the way they're moving the ball down the field. And it's not just relying on one guy.
0: There were multiple backs in the backfield. There was a little bit more motion. Probably still not a lot when you look at other teams. But a wide receiver screen to Rondell Moore. (laughs) That was successful. That gained 29 yards. And then the most creative play that we have seen from Cliff Kingsbury Inside the red zone, all of a sudden, I'm listening to the broadcast, and Dave Pasch says they're bringing in J.J. Watt and Leckie Foote, and they're lined up in the backfield on the left side. James Connors in the left side as well as the running back. Everyone moves left except for one player. That's Kyler Murray. He goes right and right into the end zone for perhaps the easiest touchdown he'll score in his career.
1: I love it. I I think that you know. I, did you think they were going to run the ball? I thought, you know, based on the physicality, we're just going to line up and run the football here. Did you think they were going to run or no? With
0: that package, yeah, oh, well, yeah, I did. With yeah. with two blockers, with, yeah, with two defensive ends, two defensive tackles on and the field, a, yes, and a six foot two, two hundred and thirty three pound back. Yeah,
1: I I thought the same thing. But to me, uh, once they pursued to the other side, he literally put the ball up at the eight yard line in his hand. He knew he was just going to walk in, and I I I like that. If you can sell the, uh, and not just you're going to have Leckie and, and JJ out there a lot of times, but if you can fake that that bootleg to the other side, and you he can just walk in, because nobody's going to catch him going to the pylon. They call it the mega-watt. Mega. Packet. Okay.
0: Like that? The, the mega-watt?
1: I mean, if he uses it again, maybe we'll see something different because we know that J.J. Watt can kind of release and be be a tight end. He has
0: caught a pass, and we know Lucky too, that rugby background, he's been itching to get the ball in his hands. That'd maybe just give too. it to him on first and goal from the one <laughs> yard line. Now, you would we the other dynamic and the skill set that Kyler Murray has is his ability to make something happen out of nothing, and his scrambling ability. I do think he stayed in the pocket more and he was able to make things happen. And the one big play was in that second quarter the 18 yard completion to Rondell Moore, in which he was out of the shotgun, gets pressured, backpedals all the way to the 10 yard line, eludes a rush, gets to the 15, spins away from a defender there, and then throws the football. Literally about maybe uh, a couple minutes after that play, Next Gen Stats tweets that Kyler Murray scrambled 43 and a half yards before that completion to Rondell Moore, and that is what sets Murray apart from every other quarterback in the National Football League, his ability to make people miss. Now, you don't want to see it all the time, but that play is Kyler Murray in a nutshell. All right.
1: Are we bearing the lead here on his two throws to DeAndre (laughs) Hopkins, toe-tap in the end zone? And then what about Christian Kirk? And, and, and I want to talk about that the the one play where he was able to call out the um, the check. So he did it on his own, Cliff said. Yep. He, he rec-
0: two of those four touchdowns, Kingsbury said Murray checked into.
1: Yeah. Now, he he does that in practice, and it drives me nuts. The back
0: pedal and the yeah, throwing because, off the back foot.
1: Because, I mean, you're throwing off the back foot, and he – he has the arm strength to make the throw, but you got to let the receiver go underneath it, and it's really the Willie Mays catch. He does it in practice, though, and the fact that he kind of got those guys to get sucked in, keep drifting, drifting, and he throwing off—I mean, you're going to get away with it. I just don't want to see where he's throwing it for desperation, and it gets picked off.
0: Yeah, you don't want the ill-advised throw. But if you're working on it in practice, they are. and certainly when we're seeing it live, we're like, well, what are you doing off your back foot, <laughs> lofting it up in the air, and you're asking your receiver to do a basket catch, and then we're told afterwards that, oh, yeah, that's a design play. We work on it in practice. It's like, true. How is that a design play? Under what coaching tree did you learn that? Well, it-
1: you you got to make sure you don't underthrow it. Yes. So only one guy can catch it, so to speak. And and speaking of that, I thought Kyler should have, when he missed AJ Green in the end zone. That when AJ got up, he pointed up. That ball needs to go over. And AJ Green's got to you know he's been in the league long enough. You got to get both feet in bounds. I thought he could have played a lot better. But the fact of having him on the field opened things up for Christian Kirk, Rondell Moore, DeAndre Hopkins, Chase Edmonds and even some of the tight ends that were trying to block or trying to get a reception. I noticed Murray uh, was short-arming a couple of those throws. He came back to try to get green one time, and then Max Williams, I think he was being pressured. Normally he makes those throws when the guys are coming back to the ball.
0: Yeah, a little nitpicking, but there are certain throws that Kyle Murray, I think, would expect to make, and he didn't make some of those. And then there are the unbelievable plays that he makes that we're like, wow, you can't do that again. But he does it routinely, and then that – touchdown to Hopkins in the back of the end zone. Everyone looks at Hopkins' feet and how well of a job he did, but Murray scrambled and rolled to his left and then throws across his body. He's a right-handed quarterback. The degree of difficulty of that, just to get the throw off, forget about how great of a catch it was, but Kyler Murray once again, outside the pocket, what he's able to do. We want him to stay in the pocket, but Sometimes you do have to maneuver a little bit and buy yourself some time. That more than anything is what stood out in Week One with respect to the offense was Kyler Murray staying in that pocket as opposed to when things go wrong or the pocket collapses, he's running.
1: Yeah, and and you know how I feel about some of these jet sweeps and bubble screens and and slant passes. To me, they're extended run plays. As long as you get blocking from your wide receivers. Initially, that guy should take that ball. And we saw Rondell Moore. I mean, here's Rodney Hudson. um, Kyler, it wasn't a great snap. He gets the ball. And a scout texts me after that play. And he's like, That looked like Tyreek Hill. Did you see him put his foot in the ground and run for that 29 yards? Yeah. It was remarkable. And 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 that was, you know, we talk about Steve Smith, but that was another, you know, comp, Tyreek Hill, just based on the speed when he gets in the open field. And he put that foot in the ground. And he was gone.
0: Again, this is next gen stats. 16 yards after the catch is what Rondell Moore averaged per catch. And he had four catches for 68 yards. After the catch, DeAndre Hopkins had that touchdown, his second touchdown, which he spun away from the defender and went the next, I think, seven or eight yards into the end zone. Yards after catch, a stat that this team did not do well in a year ago because they were short passes and then they were getting tackled immediately. If you can get these guys where they're catching the ball on the run and then able to use their speed or their elusiveness – Yards after catch, yards after contact, those are the yards that will get this team into the red zone and ultimately into the touchdown I know or the this, end zone. I know they're
1: getting more separation. They all were
0: getting separation
1: just on how fluid this offense. You know, which again, Murray is spreading the ball around. You know, Rondell Moore, he played 20 snaps, which is 29%. Kirk, 39%, 57%. A.J. Green had 55 snaps, 80%. And, of course, Hopkins, 61 88%. Those were the wide receivers that played. Um, We know he's involved in the return game, uh, but I got to think, you know, being his first game and everything else, I got to think he's probably going to get some more reps eventually on offense.
0: Did you notice where Hopkins was lined up on his second touchdown, where he spun away from the defender and went into the end zone? He was lined up on the left side. He was in the slot. Chase Edmonds was split wide left on that play, so they are moving Hopkins around a little bit. But I do think predominantly you're going to see him on the left side and A.J. Green on the right side. That's where they're comfortable, but there might be a couple of plays where they are switched or you're seeing Hopkins somewhere else. But let's focus on what the results are as far as the end of the play as opposed to where the play starts.
1: Yeah, and, and I thought Kyler was in complete command. I loved his demeanor during the game. Um, you know, you could see he was he was he felt comfortable. I mean, he knows the offense like the back of his hand. I'm not surprised that what he did because we got a chance to watch training camp early on and, and I try to talk to as many people. you know, I try to filter what I hear and then what I see. And again, I can't emphasize it enough. That was his best training camp along with the head coach, and you could just see the offense. They got better talent. They got better protection. They got some guys that can take the top off the the defense. I mean, on paper, they showed it yesterday, but I'm just saying in general, this team should be a lot better than they were a year ago where, yeah, you're. Always, there's going to be one game this year where maybe somebody's going to try to do different defense on them. There's always one dud. I can't tell you what it's going to be. Hopefully it doesn't happen, but for the most part – um, I think they got the attention of the entire National Football League. It wasn't just about the offense, it was about the defense and the special teams. It was it Vallejo that got his hand on a, a tip to punt? T- yes. Tip t- punt. Uh, I thought the, the returns were a lot better than a year ago. He's going to break one at some point, just like we thought with Christian Kirk. So, um, again, I, I like the fact that we're not just talking about talent on paper, we're talking about a team that has weapons. And I think they showed that in week one against the Titans.
0: They also showed something that a lot of people, Ron Wolfley, Rob Fredrickson, have been asking for. Kyler Murray under center. Watching the game back this morning, ten times Kyler Murray lined up under center. Five of those came when the offense was in the red zone. There were a couple other plays where he lined up under center, but there was a flag, so the play, quote-unquote, did not happen. So I don't count those. But ten times in which a play happened – he was under center, and I think that might be a career high for Kyler Murray here in his third season in the National Football League.
1: Well, we know when when you get down to the red zone, and if you're within the you know 15 or 10 yard line, everything gets a lot shorter. And yes, you know he can run the RPOs, the pistols, the zone read, but when you're under center, now all of a sudden James Conner can hit the whole hole a little bit quicker. And you know, like I said, uh, you know, I, I just like the way they called the game, and I, and I thought they were one step ahead. when you, that Kind of remind me when Sean McVay, when you watch his play calling, they're always one step ahead, and I, I felt the same way yesterday. Again, they have better players, and um, you could see everyone's on the same page when it comes to the offense. Yes, you're going to have some miscommunications. That's just going to happen. The other team may show you a different look, but for the most part, they put the work in um, during the uh, off season and they did it in training camp. And now we're starting to see you know, what it could look like. It's only one game. It's a marathon. This is not a sprint. And you know, it's going to change every single week. But I think there's a lot you can build on what happened in Tennessee yesterday.
0: Murray had 289 passing yards, 20 rushing yards. So 309 total yards and five total touchdowns. His numbers, MJ, would have been a heck of a lot better. He had three runs for 8, 12, and 10 negated by penalties. And it was as Dave Pass said on the broadcast about the offense, we're a mess. And then he quickly added, but we're up 10 nothing, And that is something that, if as upset as people are about the penalties, at least be encouraged that those penalties aren't resulting in stall drives, that they still were able to score a field goal and a touchdown on those first two possessions. But those first two possessions, five penalties, four accepted, and then they got better the rest of the game. They finished with eight. Yes. So you had four quick,
1: the offense settled down, was able to move the football, and they were four for five in the red
0: zone. Yes. And the last penalty was a delay of game, and that that's in the fourth quarter. doesn't even count. So you can cut those penalties in half, and how many of those first quarter penalties are week one, being a little hyped, over however you want to describe it, some miscommunication, just – the first game action, real game action in a regular season setting, as far as the pace, things are going to happen. So as frustrating as it was to watch, I'm okay with it week one. It can't happen, though, in week two. The good news, it happened early.
1: They were able to fix it, and they were able to move the ball, and And clearly um, they were able to you know, win at the line of scrimmage, so... Again, you can go back and look at it, but I, you know, if they would have had 12 penalties, I would have been like, okay, here we go again. You had four early and then you had four from basically the f- half of the first quarter into the rest of the game. And, you know, you look at you listen to Mike Vrabel last night and today, man, he was really upset with Julio Jones when he got that penalty. I mean, they, they that was a third down. And by him and Byron Murphy, they were going at it, and obviously they always get the last guy, but um you know, those are things that you know you put you behind the sticks, and you could see that um, he was down on Julio Jones, just basically saying, "Hey, we can't
0: do this." We, can't. I mean, they went for a fake punt, and I don't think the Cardinals were ready for it. Oh, they clearly weren't ready for it, especially deep in, the, in your own end. If you're the Titans and you're successful, and it that, was very well executed. By very
1: the way. well, yeah. And we know Jeff Rogers is on his p's and q's, but I don't think they were ready for it. And then the flea flicker when they started that stuff. They were trying to get another
0: possession because they knew they couldn't stop the Cardinals. They were out of their comfort zone. They were doing something that they're not used to, and it threw everyone for a loop on the Tennessee Titans sidelines. What the Cardinals did offensively, defensively, and special teams, and it was a lot of fun to watch in Week 1. Cardinals Cover 2 presented by Hyundai, proud partner of the Arizona Cardinals. Some quick notes, and then MJ, I'll ask you if if we missed anything, but an update on Kelvin Beecham, who exited the game in the third quarter with a, actually it was early in the third quarter, hurt his ribs, and is officially listed as day-to-day according to Kingsbury. But with Beecham out, Justin Murray played the rest of the game at right tackle. Notice earlier in the first half, Murray was playing some left guard. Brian Winters played some right guard late in the second half. So once again, we're seeing Sean Coogler rotate his guards. I, I'm not a big fan of it. I, I understand the reason. I just I just don't like it when you're talking about a, a unit that is five guys together. And you're disrupting it for no reason. I'm sure they have a reason, but unless it's an injury, I like those five guys to stay on the football field.
1: The only thing I'll say is when you look at Brian Winters and Justin Murray and Max Garcia, you're not relying on a young player to come in there. So they have experience, and you know it's just it's it's unusual to rotate offensive linemen. You do it on the defensive side just because the the physicality. You normally you stick with the same five guys, but. I'm not a big fan of it, but I'm going to defer to Sean Coogler because we know it, at certain points of the game, if he thinks Brian Winters can give him a lift, he's going to bring him in there. And it's nothing against Justin Pugh or the right guard. Um, I trust Coogler, so it's not ideal, but it's not like there's a huge drop-off and he's just looking for a spark. These guys have experience and the flexibility allows them to move guys around on the line.
0: Yeah, we'll defer to Sean Kugler who knows football a heck of a lot more than either of us. It's just it's not what we're used to seeing because offensive linemen aren't interchangeable. They don't get subbed in and out like a defensive lineman, a linebacker, a secondary player. It just doesn't happen, but now we've seen it's... The last two seasons, seeing it a little bit more. Maybe it is just a matter of keeping guys fresh for a given drive or two.
1: Well, I got to say that Humphrey's
0: probably never coming out, right? No, Rodney uh, Hudson. No, 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 those two are not. No. <laughs> All right, did we did we did we forget anything here, MJ? We told we said that there was going to be a lot to discuss, and there's a lot to look at as far as the positives. Once again. As we started this edition of Cardinals Cover 2 presented by Hyundai Proud, partner of the Arizona Cardinals, it is only week one. It is just one game. One game doesn't define a season. One game doesn't determine a season. I'll say this, though. It certainly beats the heck out of the alternative.
1: Yeah, and and I know people use the word cheat code when it comes to Kyler Murray. He, he's got this turbo code. I mean, again, in the offseason, ah, he doesn't necessarily need to run. They let Mike Vrabel know early Kyler Murray was running, and I don't know. It's hard to figure out if they have a spy. I'll tell you one thing, though. No. You could see Bud Dupree still coming off that injury. He was always a second late on a lot of different plays.
0: Did not hear his name called a lot, if at all. It was a great job of that offensive line. Once again, keeping Kyler Murray upright. He was sacked twice. One was him running out of bounds, and he only got hit once, literally swallowed up, The offensive line wasn't able to do its job on that one play, just one play. But other than that, it was a clean pocket for Kyler Murray. And
1: and I thought, you know, considering you know Jeffrey Simmons, he's their best defensive lineman. I, I mean, I only heard his name a couple times. Um, You know, obviously they're going to win some one-on-one matchups. But Landry, we didn't hear a lot about Um, Janoris Jenkins. Just based on the the penalties and and obviously Fulton. Um, but again, you, I watched Bud Dupree, and I give him credit because he's coming off an ACL. But he was he was just a shy light every single time. You watch the, the replays; he's he's close to the ball carrier, but he can't get there. And that was an advantage for the Cardinals. And he probably saw something on film, and just based on coming off the injury, and in you know, in the first quarter, this guy, yes, he's playing. He's a name. They're hoping he can get to the quarterback. But I don't think he was the same player. And again, getting in week one, I think it really helped the Cardinals set the
0: tone early in that football game. Dupree only had one tackle. Simmons is the one who recorded the sack of Kyler Murray, and he finished with five tackles, one tackle for loss, one quarterback hit. So he was around, but just not as effective as perhaps he might be later on this season in much the same way we talk about the Titans' offense. Maybe in a week, in a month. They look like everyone expected them to, but it just didn't happen in week one.
1: Well, they're headed to Seattle this week.
0: Yeah, I yeah I saw that. So
1: so they you, you know we're rooting for the Titans this week. <laughs> we're rooting for the Titans. And now, I mean, Russell Wilson's Houdini. I mean, he gets out a lot of traffic. He doesn't have the speed as Kyler Murray, but it'd be interesting to see how they defend him. And they're, that's they're playing the NFC West, so we'll see how physical they are under
0: Mike Frabel. It will be another test, and the Cardinals have themselves another test this week with the Minnesota Vikings, and we'll begin to discuss that as the week unfolds here. Certainly, though, we will enjoy what happened on Sunday. We don't have a 24-hour rule here on Cardinals Cover 2, but we know that uh, quickly this one needs to be put in the rearview mirror.
1: Okay, I do want to say this because I was thinking when you were asking me, do I have anything else? Two guys talked last night. Kyler Murray... And Buddha Baker, and I love what they said. And I'm paraphrasing. We're not going to get complacent. In Buda, who I think is the face of the defense, nothing against Chandler. We know JJ Watt comes with credentials. This is Buddha's team in the future. He looks at it 1-0. One game. Focus on Minnesota. players will be back in the facility tomorrow. That's the next game. I don't want to hear about, you know, well, Jacksonville, you got a chance to go 3-0. We can do that. But I love what they said we're not going to get complacent because that was the issue last year after they beat the bills and i think they started feeling good about themselves that's just me connecting dots yeah
0: Budabaker's the ultimate one day one week at a time player and that is a message that i'm sure is being spread throughout that locker room and hopefully that's the case that hey last year they beat san francisco on the road in san francisco and then you know started Came feeling home. good
1: Beat Washington with Dwayne Haskins. And And then then what happened? Losing Detroit and Carolina.
0: Still stings. So that can't happen again. And let's hope the Cardinals have learned their lesson. They said they have. Now we have to see it.
1: Yeah, they won the first game. But this is a marathon. They have a long ways to go. This is far from a finished product. You want to see this team continue to ascend and get better each week. I know it sounds like a cliché.
0: But the teams that are playing in January, they get better as the season progresses. On that note, let's put a lid on this edition of Cardinals Cover 2 presented by Hyundai, proud partner of the Arizona Cardinals. As always, special thanks to our executive producer, Jim Omohundro. For Mike Jarecki, I'm Craig Riolu. We'll talk to you next time here on Cardinals Cover 2.